people can feel when you are authentic, when you are real, when you are raw with someone. People can feel that and they like it because they want to be real. They want to be with real people. They don't want to see this fake version of the salesperson stereotype of who you are. They want to know who you actually are. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. You know, Ron, today we'll be talking about communication. And communication is such a fascinating topic to me, especially when it comes to sales, because there's so much depth in terms of communication in general, how we interact with each other, how we read each other. You know, if if somebody were just to take a minute as they communicate and as they just go through their day and how they interoperate and work with people and just think about and kind of feel out the types of interactions that they have with people and listen really carefully to how people say things, how people feel when they're talking about certain topics, you know, how you can, you can pick up that maybe somebody doesn't like you very much or that maybe somebody's attracted to you where you can pick up all of these different nuances and dynamics. And we've learned communication for 30, 40 years, however old you are, you know how to communicate. And when it comes to sales, there are certain cues or tells that are given by salespeople that make people feel uncomfortable. They make them feel like they're going to get sold. They're walking into a trap. There's like this stereotype of how salespeople interoperate and how they act. And so over the years, this is something that you really excel at, Ron. I've seen people that you have sat down with and coached, and I've seen incredible swings in productivity in terms of how they're able to succeed before they get your coaching and then what happens after. And you're a master of communication. So I want to just ask you this as a starting point, which is how did you learn this? You know, where did these skills, where did this information come from? That's a good question, Rusty. I want to start by saying this can be a learned trait. So there's a lot of leaders out there. There's a lot of people that when they have a top performer, I've heard it said before, oh, they have like this X factor. They have something special about them that's not describable. It's not teachable. Mm -hmm. That's not true. They're actually just really good communicators. And this is one huge reason why salespeople get paid so much money. There's not a lot of great communicators out there in the world. And when you find a really good one that can create connection quickly with people and clients and and so forth and so on, that is a special person to find. Now, what you need to do as a leader is you need to know how to coach communication, how to teach it, how to make people better at it. Because not only is it a learned trait, it's something that no one's perfect at. And I mentioned this on the leadership podcast before, but one thing I hate is when leaders just ask the question, how can I help you? They don't know. They don't know how you can help them. No. Especially if you're running a sales dev organization or something that's more entry level, they don't know how you can help them be more successful. You actually need to be prescriptive. Yep. That's where the sales prescription name comes from. Writing prescriptions. Exactly. Right. You got to be able to write a prescription for how they can be better. And a lot of times that prescription is when you communicate with people, you need to add these different elements to your communication, these different fundamentals. And where I learned these and I first started getting fascinated with communication was in door-to-door sales. 
I worked for door-to-door sales company for like five years or something back before it was cool. This was like 20 years ago. This is a great way to start in sales. But yeah, it is. You got to start is. shoveling gravel, right? You got to do. You got to do something. Exactly right. And I started selling pest control door to door, and I was very lucky to land with a very good company with a great owner and great leadership. And they would give everyone on your first day you showed up. I remember I showed up to Southern California, just you know, fresh first sales job ever. Um, they had you move like I'm from Utah. They had us move to Southern California. And on the first day, they hand you a script and they say, here's your script. We want you to say this on the door. Memorize this script. But they also said you should say it in this way. And it was pretty fascinating because they started to teach us the deeper things behind the script. And I feel like a lot of sales organizations and a lot of organizations in general just do the script. Yeah, they stop at the script. Here you go. Here's a script. And I remember going on the doors and they would have us knock with people that were good. And then I would occasionally knock with just my peers, some of which were not very good. Yep. And I was fascinated with the fact that everyone was saying the same thing. The same words were spoken by everyone. And one person would sell 15 a day and one person would sell one. And I want to point out how dramatic that is. 15 sales a day versus one is a shocking difference when you're saying the exact same words. So there's some secret sauce here. hundred percent. So what we're going to talk about today is the different components of communication and what those components are. And then we're going to elaborate a little bit on some of them. We're not going to get too deep into some because we're primarily talking about inside sales reps here. We would get deeply into nonverbals. If we were talking about in-person sales, maybe we can do that in a future podcast, but Basically, the three components are first, verbal messages. That's the script. Those are the words that you're saying, right? Second is paraverbal messages. This is how you say the words. And this is what we're going to focus on big time today. And then lastly is nonverbal messages. So that's like what you look like. It's your body language overall, right? Now, since selling door to door and creating this fascination with communication for myself, I've read a lot of books on it. I've done a lot of external study around communication in general and how to improve my communication specifically. And as a result of that, it's interesting to see the debate amongst educators and people that are doing studies around these three components of communication and how much of communication each of those components should make up. Mm. And I would say that on average, while there's some debate out there, the the debate is really only about 5% different depending on who you're reading. But most people agree that nonverbal communication makes up 60% of your ability to communicate. 60%. 60%. Which is things like body language, like the way that you, you posture, the way that you interact. 100%. Nonverbal. Now, let me explain why it's so high. Nonverbal is one of the best and most efficient ways to communicate feeling. And feeling is a huge part of communication. And connection. Right? Yeah. If I go upstairs, Rusty, after a long day of work, and my wife's in the kitchen, does she have to say anything to me for me to know how her day was? No, no, you, you can see it. I can see it on her face, right? Yeah. You can see it even in like the, the level of how tense the body is anything. Yep. You can absolutely see it. I can tell you within less than a second that my kids were difficult or they were awesome. 
Mm-hmm. They were wanting to do their homework or they weren't right. Like I can tell a big portion of my wife's day just by the first look that we have with each other. And if you think about the depth of that and the speed in which a human can digest information, you can just see it and you can just know so much information instantly. Exactly. It's, it's powerful. Yeah. And I've mentioned this before. My wife's one of the most amazing people on earth, but she, like everyone else has bad days. Right. And when I go upstairs and I can tell, Hey, it's been a rough day. I immediately go into like, all right, what can I do? And she doesn't have to say anything because I can recognize it. Mm-hmm. I need to do something to help out here. Clearly something's going on in the household. Right. Right. And all of that is communicated without words. That's why nonverbal is so powerful. Right. And it's the same way with sales. If you're paying attention to nonverbals with, with your potential customers, you can tell if they're actually interested or not. Yeah. You can, you can feel it. You can see it. Some salespeople just choose to ignore it. Just blaze through. Exactly. Just keep on going. But it's best if you can recognize it. It doesn't mean that you should give up because they're not showing interest, but you should adjust your speech. You should adjust what you're talking about. You should ask more questions, try to be more engaging, right? Now, the next component of communication is paraverbal communication. This is how you say things. Most of the people that do studies around this agree that paraverbal makes up 30% of communication. And we'll get into paraverbal very deeply, but that leaves verbal with only 10%. 10%. What you say. What you say. The script. So what does that mean for a company that when you walk in, they hand you a script and a laptop and say, get selling. I think it says that we're ignoring the vast majority of what it takes to communicate, interoperate, and connect with people. Exactly. They're not giving them all of the information or all of the value in order for them to go out and succeed in the marketplace, to go out and sell and and find success. And one thing that we try to do in our sales organizations, Rusty's as well as mine, is we try to teach people the deeper how you should sound on the phone. And our organizations are focused on phone sales, talking to people over the phone, which is why this and a second podcast that we're going to do a back-to-back around communication, they're specifically around paraverbals. And we'll get deeply into that. But let me ask you this, Rusty. Why is all of this important? Why is your ability to communicate important? And maybe specifically lead me down the path of, of stereotypes when it comes to salespeople. Yeah, this is, this is pretty critical because there's this natural reaction that people have to salespeople where they feel incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, we all do it. You pick up the phone and then all of a sudden you hear, hey, this is Rusty Jensen from over at Nice and I'm over here to talk to you because I want to be able to communicate with you. Like you start hearing this, you're like, oh my gosh. Or you hear somebody say, hey, is Rusty there? Hey, Russ. And you're like, okay, I don't know you, right? Or, or whatever it is, and you just get uncomfortable. You walk into the furniture store, and you see these little, you know, sales guys walking around, you know what I mean, like preying on you, and it just feels really uncomfortable. But you know what's wild about this is because people know and understand sales stereotypes and how salespeople act, it, it's, it's just so shocking to me. People naturally, when they take a sales job, they just start doing it all. They start doing everything just like other salespeople they've heard in the past. They just start doing the identical things, which really puts people off. So it really hurts how they communicate and operate. Yeah. You start to buy into the stereotype for yourself. And, right. and it's really sad because the reality is 
we are all humans. We all want this human connection with each other. We all want to have good conversations, communicate clearly. That's something that the prospect desires just as much as you desire. And what I always start this training with when I do it with my reps is the first thing that you need to realize is to be human, be you. I'm teaching you what I call paraverbal essentials, but it doesn't have to change who you are. People can feel when you are authentic, when you are real, when you are raw with someone, people can feel that and they like it. Because they want to be real. They want to be with real people. They don't want to see this fake version of the salesperson stereotype of who you are. They want to know who you actually are. So a lot of this coaching is really trying to get people just to be natural and communicate the way that they would with their friends or with the way that they would in a professional environment with a colleague where they're working through problems and solving problems for people. But a lot of this coaching, Ron, is really just undoing the stereotypes listening for them, breaking them down, getting people to, to back off. Exactly. Yeah. I want you to talk to your prospects. Like you're talking to a family member about something you're an expert at. So you need to be the authority on what you're discussing. You need to be the person that has the knowledge, has the information, but it needs to come across the same as when I talk to my brother on the phone, right? Yep. We're very familiar with each other. Yep. He knows who I am. I don't have to be a different person when I talk to him. I'm just me, right? There, there's a comfort that comes with that. Exactly. But there are things that I'm good at that my brother is not. So there are times when I'm talking to my brother about something that I'm an expert in. And that comes across slightly different than when I'm talking to him about something he's an expert in. Right. Right. And when you're selling, you do need to sound like you are an expert. So we do talk about some things in paraverbal to make sure you sound like you know what you're talking about. Right. You you need to. Yeah. But beyond that, it does need to be familiar. It does need to be comfortable and confident. And just to kind of explain what is paraverbal, I get this question all the time. What is paraverbal communication? A lot of people have never even heard the term before. In fact, when I started doing door to door, never heard it before that. Like I said, I landed with a great company with some great leaders that explained what it was, and I've been able to expound on it a little bit, but let's use an example. Let's use the same sentence four different ways and talk about how it changes the meaning just to say the sentence in a different way. Okay. Okay. So you say the words yeah, and we'll we'll go through it and then I'll see if I can translate what they mean. Yeah. Right. So if I said to you, Rusty, I didn't say you were stupid. That to me would mean... You do think I'm stupid. Right. Yeah, you're definitely stupid. I just didn't say it. Exactly right. I didn't say it, but you are. But you are. In my mind, you are. That was just clearly communicated. And that's offensive. What if I said, Rusty, I didn't say you were stupid. Somebody's stupid. So you did say that someone is stupid. Yep. Just not you. Right. Right. What if I said, Rusty, I didn't say you were stupid. Yeah, I would say basically what you're saying is, I didn't say you were stupid, but you're not very smart. Yeah. Maybe I used a different word. Yeah. A different word. So maybe I said you were dumb. Clearly. Right. Clearly something that means stupid. I'm I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable. Right. This conversation. What if I just said, and maybe this will make you feel better. Rusty, I didn't say you were stupid. So genuine. Yeah. I just didn't say it. Like immediately. I mean, and then I want to just kind of highlight something. I felt, Hey, like a, like a genuine connection were so believable. Yep. That is the power of paraverbal. I want to give one more example because I love it. 
I love this example and I use my wife a lot. So apologize, honey, for when you listen to this. But when I go upstairs and I ask my wife, I say, hey, do you want to go get Mexican food for dinner tonight? I want you to tell me what this means when she says this. All right. She says, sure. That means no. That means no. No. I do not want it. But if you looked up the the definition of the word sure in the dictionary, what does it actually mean? Certain. Yes. Yes. It means in the affirmative. In the affirmative. So she made a word that has a definition of yes mean no with her paraverbals. Right. So when I say that paraverbals make up 30% of communication and verbals only 10, does that help you understand why? Absolutely. Because well, it, it can change the definition. And I think if you're selling over the phone, it's even more. 100%. It's even more because you can't, you can't feel people out, right? Agreed, it's right? It's critical. Because you're eliminating the 60% of your nonverbals, right? So it magnifies the verbals and the paraverbals. You need to be better at both. So Ron, I want to go through some of these paraverbal essentials. So some of these topics that we would actually go through and coach people on specifically. And as we do it, I do want to share before we even get into it. The impact I've seen on people is insanity. It's insanity. When, when people master these paraverbals and they're interacting and working with people, I have seen people go from literally 85% negative rejection. Like I had this, I had this rep. It was just, it just really emotionally involved in the sales process. You know, a lot of times you tell your salespeople, you don't have to have tough skin. You know, you need to be able to hear no. But at the end of the day, like this rep, I remember it just really hurt her from an emotional standpoint when she was getting that kind of rejection. Every time that she would make these calls and get rejected, it just, it kind of hurt her. It hurt her morale. It hurt everything. And I remember going through and we started training her on all of these paraverbals. And she went from pretty much like 80, 85% aggressive rejection to literally 95 to 97% affirmative, positive conversations. Mm -hmm. Even when people didn't want to work, always affirmative, always positive when they didn't even want to talk which is powerful. So these essentials I think are incredible and they're important. And as you're coaching reps or as you're listening to your own calls, you've got to look for these. These are the tells. So let's start talking about these essentials. Yeah. And and just remember when we go through these, really they're trying to force you to sound normal because the fear of rejection is why we put on our fake selves. Because if someone rejects the fake version of me, it doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah. But when I'm trying to be real and authentic and genuine with someone and I get rejected, it hurts a little bit. It's going to hurt because you presented who you really are and they rejected that person. But you know, right? Ron, I've never seen you get rejected from anything ever. <laughs> That's not so true. I don't, I don't know how you can make those statements. Okay. Yeah. Just like every other salesperson plenty of rejection comes my way. Right. And let me make that a point as well. I don't care how good you are at this. I'm sorry, but there's no such thing as a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the people you talk to are not going to buy your product. Right. If you think that's the case, then you're in a world of hurt. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking to increase the 3% of people you talk to buying to 3.5, because that makes a huge difference or to four. If you can make any increase in that percentage. And I used to keep track when I was knocking doors, We do the same thing with reps today, but when I was knocking doors, I would put a tally mark for every door I knocked. I would circle it for every person that answered, and then I would put a slash through it for every person that I sold. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to see that the percent of people I talk to today 
that purchased would go up over time. It was summer sales. So I did it for four months out of the year. And the first month I wanted to be at a certain percentage, but I wanted to be at a higher percentage on the fourth month. And that's what these give you. So we won't get through all of these in this first episode of communication, but let's talk about the first pair of verbal essential. The first one is to speak slowly. Something that happens naturally with our speech when we're nervous is we speed it up. But that speed of speech, the increased speed that comes out, it's also tied in a lot of people's minds to these negative emotions, to these negative stereotypes that exist. And I use this as an example. There's red flags that go off in your subconscious when you believe someone is shady, Mm -hmm. when you think they're lying to you, when you think that they're doing something that is not right. A hundred percent. I call them like red flags in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. One of those things that happens when you're lying is you speed up your speech to get the lie out more quickly. So you may not recognize that in your conscious mind, Rusty, you may not have recognized, Oh, when people lie, they speed up their speech, but your subconscious, you've been lied to so much in your life. You've, you've tried to recognize lies. It's in such a deep way that you actually walk away from conversations with people thinking, that person was kind of shady. Yeah. There's something wrong with that conversation. Something wrong with that. Like it didn't come across as, as honest as I would like it to have. And that's probably the last thing you want to have as a salesperson. hundred percent. And slow speech to the point of making sure that you enunciate each word clearly projects confidence and honesty. Huh. People will feel that honesty and that level of confidence deepen inside of them when you're speaking slowly right? I had a a rep. I'll mention his name. So I hope he doesn't mind, but (laughs) Ed Richardson, we managed teams for multiple years together. I call him Eddie, the knife, Eddie, the knife He's one of my, one of my really good friends. When he first started in sales development, I was a sales developer myself and he was very competitive with me because I was the top rep. And he would come up to me and be like, Ron, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. I'm saying the same thing you're saying. And I said, well, let me listen to one of your calls. And I listened to his call and I kid you not, that guy was spouting a thousand words a minute. Mm. He was flying. The reason he was doing it is because he was thinking in his mind, this is a cold call. They're not ready for me to talk to him. I got to talk as quickly as possible. I got to get the whole message out. They got to hear everything I have to say. They got to hear it all. And if they just hear it, they'll, they'll buy. Yep. I told him, I said, Eddie, if you slow your speech down, I guarantee you'll have more success. It's going to feel uncomfortable to you because I can tell that you feel like you need to say everything that you want to say. And they sound like they're busy, right? But if they were too busy, they wouldn't have answered the phone. It's best that you speak slowly and they get half of the words than getting all the words speaking at the rate that you're speaking. Immediately overnight, Ed's production changed, right? He started competing with me as the top rep. And it was kind of nice to, to when he started doing that, to have somebody to compete against at a high level. But that one specific principle made all the world of difference. You know, to you know, it's interesting, Ron, as I have worked with reps for years and kind of gotten to the process, reps are not trying to be untruthful. They're not lying. They're not trying to communicate information that they don't necessarily believe, but it's picked up that way because they talk quickly. The other thing I think is interesting about that is I've seen another reason why salespeople do it. And that reason is that they've mastered the content and the information that they're providing. So they add a lot of language. 
They add a lot of sophistication into what they're saying, and they speak very quickly and add a lot, almost in an attempt to sound competent, or sometimes they're even just trying to work hard and be efficient, and they're just putting more and more information out. But one of the things that people don't realize, which I think is fascinating, is that the speed and the rate of someone's speech is actually the speed and the rate in which they process auditory and verbal information. So their brain synchronizes the way that they communicate and the rate in which they speak with the way that they input and take in information, which is fascinating. So if you are speaking faster than someone is typically able to assimilate information, it makes it very difficult for them to understand even what you're talking about. And immediately the connection is lost. 100%. And this is magnified when you're selling a complex system of solutions. Because the person you're talking to, while they may be a part of the buying committee, it's unlikely that they know everything about the complex solution. So if you start talking in acronyms and using long words, what they do is they, they shut down because they can't keep up with what you're saying. And that's not what you want. You don't want them to shut down. You want them to open up. And the only way to get them to open up is to simplify your verbiage and to speak slowly so that they can consciously internalize it. And don't feel that when you simplify your verbiage and you speak slowly that you're not going to sound intelligent Mm -hmm. because you're going to sound more intelligent. You're going to communicate much better. You don't have to throw a lot of sizzle in what you say to get people to feel that you are competent. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes out there, Michael Caine said it, the basic rule of human nature is that powerful people speak slowly and subservient people quickly. Because if they don't speak fast, nobody will listen to them. So it does make you come across as more powerful, more knowledgeable. You are the expert. You are a consultant. And in truth, if you think about something you're very good at, in interviews, I usually ask people, what is something you're an expert in? And then I have them describe that thing to me, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. Some people say I'm an expert in painting. Some people, you know, whatever it is. Sourdough bread. Sourdough bread. That's what Rusty's an expert in. (laughs) But when you explain how to make sourdough bread, you slow your speech down. You explain it in a way that I can understand. But it also comes across like, wow, he knows how to make sourdough bread. Right. Because you get you get excited about wanting to share it and you really want them to understand the nuances of how you fold. Exactly. So slow down your speech, everybody. Slow it down. Make sure that you're bringing it down to a level. And those that struggle with this, I always tell them, focus on enunciation. Focus on enunciating your words very clearly, and that will help you slow your speech down. So let's talk about the next paraverbal, which is number two, which is intonation. This is a very, very powerful concept, especially when it comes to separating yourself from typical salespeople. Let's, let's, Let's walk through that, Ron. Yeah. So intonation is basically breaking tone down into pieces, right? And some people call it like inflection as well. But what it's used for is it's used to recognize the difference between a question and a statement. So I'm going to quiz you, Rusty, on the spot. I'm going to say a sentence to you, and I want you to tell me, is that a question or a statement? All right, I'm ready. If I said, it's raining, isn't it? You're asking me. It's a question, right? What if I just said, it's raining, isn't it? That's a statement. It's a statement. You're looking for consensus on a fact. 100%. 
Now you, in your mind, you haven't thought, oh, I've defined that in the past when it comes to communication. Like most people, it's just natural to them. They know how to say a question and they know how to say a statement. The challenge is when we're nervous, we say things that are statements like they are questions. Mm. My favorite example of that is when I first, when I listen to people's phone calls, right when they start with the organization. Have you seen Anchorman before, Rusty? Yeah, I have. Have you seen the uh, the teleprompter part where he's like, I am Ron Burgundy? <laughs> it writes a question mark at the end of the introduction. And so he says it like a question instead of like a statement. And what's fascinating is I listen to people's phone calls when they first get on the phone. That's how reps are introducing themselves. I am Ron Halbert. They're saying it like it's a question. And the reason why is because they're uncomfortable. They're nervous. You know, that is interesting, Ron, because I've seen the same thing. These reps are literally saying their names like they don't know their name. Exactly. And I don't know if that really lends to credibility. Just, right. Just a thought. <laughs> it actually just makes you sound like you're uncomfortable immediately out of the gate. So talk to me about how intonation, Ron, affects the receptiveness of prospects. So we talked about speed of speech being one of those red flags in your subconscious that's thrown off like this is a questionable mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. This might be a shady person. Intonation is another one of those things. There's only one type of person that can lie regularly with a downward intonation. So downward is the statement, right? Mm -hmm. It's raining, isn't it? You can hear it go down. Upward is a question. It's raining, isn't it? You can hear it go up isn't at the it? end, right? And those are called pathological liars. There's not a lot of them. Everybody feels like they know one, but there's not very many people out there that are pathological liars, right? No. So when you say something like it's a question, but it should be a statement in people's subconscious, it will immediately be called into question. And you can come across as that shady person or the questionable person that you don't want to come across as. Yep. That's a scary place to be, right? So we would recommend that you end every sentence in a downward intonation when first meeting someone, when first getting to know someone that will portray confidence that you know what you're saying, that you are an expert in what you're discussing. And that's what's going to help lend the level of trust in you. Yeah. Right. Because that's what we're seeking is we're seeking that trust to exist. You know, the, the other thing I've found with it as well is, is the level of importance of what you're talking about. Because sometimes if you approach someone, let's say I come into your office, Ron, and I make a statement saying, hey, Ron, we need to talk. There's something going on on the floor. We need to be able to solve a problem that's just come up. Mm -hmm. Notice how when I say that, I'm ending it on a downward intonation and I'm saying something that is serious. Now, if I come and knock on your door, I say, hey, hey, Ron, do you have a minute? I'm actually a little busy right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we can just talk later. What I've done is I've just communicated that what I have to say is not that important. And salespeople do this all the time. Mm -hmm. They get on the phone and they say, hey, hey, is Ron there? Hey, Ron, I was just trying to see if you had a minute to talk. That immediately says what I'm saying and what I want to talk about is not important. Yep. But if I say, hey, Ron, you know, we're, we're talking about nice systems. Ron, I want to talk to you a little bit about your contact center, how things are set up, what some of the projects are what your role is and some of the, the projects and things that you're working on mm -hmm. by and saying that I'm saying what I'm having to say is important and it creates this competence and this level of importance where the person you're talking to reacts and says, yes, I, I do want to talk to you. Yeah. The interesting thing about that as well, Rusty is 
I feel like some reps are, are like, I'm cold calling them and I want them to know that I apologize for cold calling them. Mm. Right. And they feel uncomfortable cold calling someone and saying what I have to say is that important. Right. Especially when you are trying to sell them something. I always tell reps, I'm like, if, if that's how you feel, then I would recommend using the wave, which Matt Lampros talked about where you can say, Hey, I know I'm calling out of the blue, but then after you say that now speak with downward intonations and, be and clear. portray clear and confidence. And this is important what we have to talk about. So you're respecting them and you say, yes, I know I'm calling out of the blue. I know this is an interruption. So you're giving them that validation, but then you're also conveying, look, I, I know I'm interrupting you, but I want to talk to you about some things yeah. that I think are very important. Right. Well, you know, Ron, I think that kind of brings us to the end of this first portion of communication. In the next episode of The Sales Prescription, we will be talking more about some of the paraverbal essentials. We've got several more to go through. We will start talking more and more about these concepts. They're very important. This is great content. Ron, I feel like this is magic. This is magic when it comes to sales, and I appreciate you taking the time to share this. It will set you apart from your peers. It'll set you apart from other salespeople at other organizations if you know how to communicate clearly, concisely, confidently, and portray that you are an expert in what you're talking about. You know, when you need help with these things, reach out to us. You know, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. We're happy to help you. We're happy to help your organizations. We're happy to come and do a training for you, whatever you want to do. But go ahead and contact us at The Sales Prescription. We want you to be successful. That's why we do this. So we appreciate everybody's time and thank you. Have a good day.